there was a time that uh, our nation was divided over race, and, and it really brought our nation to a time of war. We still have divisions in our own country, in our own time right here, whether it's socioeconomic or it's, or it's race or maybe even religion. My question for all of us is, are we crossing the line? Are we crossing those barriers and embracing people that are different than us? We may not always agree with them. We may not always see the same things the same way. But we want to, again, think about today how we can cross the line, cross the barriers, bridge those gaps between us and other people. Listen to our friends and how they wrestle with this very issue in their own life. Absolutely. Um, uh, you can pick one of them, <laughs> different race, uh, uh, socioeconomic class, to a degree, uh, not the same religions. That doesn't matter to me at all. Like, I don't even think about that when I think about my friends. Yeah, I, I do, yeah. In fact, um, uh, some of those, um, we talk about that in, in um, color of their skin or, or how much they might have in their, you know, in their bank account is not really that important to them. Well, see, a lot of my friends like race and religion. I have friends that are white. I have friends who are Hispanic. I have friends that are Christian, and I myself am agnostic. Like, I just, none of them are really the same. So I have pretty big group. One of my best friends is of a, a different economic class. Uh, another friend who is of a different uh, uh, religious persuasion who is also uh, very, very close. And the two of us, uh, he's probably one of my best friends. My husband is actually Hispanic, so that's, that's not an issue with us at all. My, part of my family has been adopted, and they're also different races. My husband is actually a different religion as well. So I honestly believe that if, at the end of the day, if what he believes he's doing, then it's okay. You can't, you know, alienate them from yourself. If you want them to be a part of what you are, you have to accept them for all their differences no matter what, you know? If there's a, good, if there's a true friendship, though, it doesn't matter black, white, um, um, there's, there's no barrier, you might say. We want to be known for what we've done, and we want to be loved for the money we've made or the social status that we've attained. Um, but if you take enough time with people, uh, I mean, that, that's what it just takes. It takes time and two-degree intimacy. It's, it's learning to be real with one another when you're able to talk about who you are, what your desires are, and how life is not satisfying you. You're all on the same level. They believe one way, and I maybe don't believe that. I ask them why they think they're right, or why, or like if someone will make like a racist joke or something, I'm like, well, he's brown. <laughs> like it's just kind of, it doesn't bother me, but I don't think it really bothers them either. It doesn't matter to us. And when I look back on the opportunity of talking with uh, people who need him and not having shared him in a way that was meaningful, but uh, I do try to plant the seed without, uh, without being overbearing. I don't see him as being wrong, and he doesn't see me as being wrong or right in either way. It's just, you know, that's what he honestly believes, and I'm not going to tell him, you know, that's not right. You know, God doesn't want you to be doing that, you know, because that's in his heart, what he believes. And so, I mean, he comes with me to church, and he supports me in my beliefs, and I go with him. 
and I support him in what he believes. It's never been a problem. Especially when you talk about all the different angles and levels of diversity and and can you accept that diversity is either a dirty word or in your mind because you hear it all week long at work or whatever. You know, it's one of those things you're just drilled in the head about it and you just need to be tolerant of everything and every belief and every way and every action and every ethnic group and whatever. It's really, really a touchy topic when you come to this. Skin color, ethnicity, family values, political position. Oh, are we not into that sticky issue right now? You know, the political side, what side are you on? And, then, I mean, that can become a barrier to friendship uh, if you're not agreeing with them politically. Sexual orientation, ooh, that's, a, that's a, another tough, tough topic. Gender, do you find that gender diversity issue being, uh, being good, bad, or indifferent? Do you see the different genders, one being inferior, one being le- uh, less, or one being more superior? What about piercings and tattoos? You know, you see sometimes tattoos and piercings where you, didn't think you could get piercings and tattoos these days. But it happens. And how do you, how do you deal with that? And how do you live in such a world of, uh, of, of differences that we have? People, what, what do you deal with somebody when they have a checkered past? How do you deal with them? I mean, we see the surface, but then when you really get into a relationship and you understand their background and maybe your background wasn't quite that bad or you didn't take that track and maybe you weren't like that, how do you deal with that level of diversity? How do you bridge the gap in, in relationships, theologically, ethnically, politically? How do you deal with that? We're all uniquely different. And how do we live in this unique and different society and world and melting pot? And really, the way, best way I could describe Northwest Arkansas, it's becoming a, a mini melting pot in the South of so much diversity coming up on us. But we have to admit We like people like us. We like people who think like us, who believe like us, who live like us, the same standard or whatever you want to call it. We like likeness. We kind of birds of a feather flock together. And that's very, 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 very natural to to kind of flock together with people who have the same affinity as us. But one thing I learned about Life is life needs that that mixing, that melting pot, that diversity. You can't play the game Connect Four. I don't care how many ways you times you try to play it. You've got to have diversity. You cannot play Connect Four unless you're playing by yourself and boom, you win. But really, Connect Four was made for diversity. You've got to have a level of difference. In this game, and I'll say this, in the game of life, you've got to have diversity as well. You've got to have that difference that marks us, that makes us, that challenges us, that will help shape us. And again, I know that words like leadership, sustainability, and diversity are all buzzwords in our culture today. And you may work in a business that you hear it all the time and you're enamored with it, or you're, you're hammered with it all the time, not enamored with it, but you're hammered with it all the time. But I want to say, but before these were buzzwords in our culture, they were biblical truths in Scripture. Leadership, sustainability, diversity, I believe you see it measured out or put out in Scripture. Our culture, our world has always had a hard time with this. We ignore it many times. What's happening in Darfur and Sudan is absolutely amazing. Another genocide's happening, and the world just kind of goes on about its business, and it's all over 
the, over, over an issue of diversity and difference and tribalism and so forth. We glorify it. I don't know if you were watching the news a few weeks ago whenever uh, there was some YouTube videos of some teenagers beating up another teenager online for the differences that they had with one another. We didn't like that, so they put it on YouTube. We glorify it sometimes. We try to prevent it. In the schoolhouse today, it's maybe not called discrimination. It's called bullying. Differences. Then Maybe your kids have come home and told you about a bully in the class. They didn't like that person because they were different than them, because they didn't wear the same clothes as they had, or they wore better clothes than they had, and the whole bullying element. Can't we get along? Can't we embrace the differences and live inside of those differences? Do we have to agree with all the differences? No. But can we? We, we, we somehow try to prevent it. We reverse it. We've gone from discrimination to I hear more now about reverse discrimination. Now, this is a touchy topic. It may not be exactly the pins and needle topic of your life, but I want to challenge you today to raise that level a little bit because we tend to congregate in likeness. We tend to congregate around those who think like us, look like us, and be, are, are like us. I want to challenge us to look at relationships with a greater intensity and learn to value the differences. Take your Bibles. Be finding the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15. I want to challenge you today, and listen to this challenge. I want to challenge you to move beyond yourself, to cross the line, imaginary line as it may be, to cross the barriers, to bridge the gap, to look beyond your own affinity and find relationships that are different than yours. Pour your life into them. Allow them to to teach you in life. Learn to appreciate diversity and how you can win in diversity, in relationships. So move beyond yourself. Cross the line. Become a loyal, loving, and accepting friend to somebody very different than you. Become a loyal, loving, and accepting friend to somebody very, very different than you. It was the fidelity of a diverse friend in David's life in the midst of the infidelity of his own blood son in his life that brought on one of the darkest and one of the most encouraging days at the same time in David's life. It was a time when David's family was crumbling before his eyes, but that was actually not something that was entirely new to David. David knew this was going to be the case because if you've been with us, we've been letting David be our example, our lab rat, I've said several times, to be our example of what it really means to connect with people and the value of connecting with the right people and how when you connect with the right people, how it can take you from a shepherd boy to a king. Now, that wasn't the whole thing that took him from a shepherd boy to a king. But we'll even see today that when life was on the line, it was that diversity and the acceptance within that diversity that helped David make it through one of the darkest days of his life. But as we know, David made some bad decisions. He made the bad decision that we spoke of last week of having Uriah killed. had to have Uriah killed because he had slept with Beth. And Beth had conceived and on and on and on. You know the story. And so as, as you think about that, and he had to kind of cover that up, his consequence from God was this. The sword, and this is what it says in Scriptures in 2 Samuel 12, 10, it says that the sword will never leave your house. 
basically you're going to have trouble in your home. Because of the decisions you made, you're going to have trouble in your home. You're going to have fighting in your home. You're going to have turmoil in your home. You're going to have backbiting in your home. Your home's going to really have some problems because of the choices that you make. And sure enough, it did. He had brothers killing brothers and brothers raping sisters. It was a, it just his family life began to kind of crumble and fall apart because of the choices that he made. One of his sons, one of his oldest sons was named Absalom. Absalom is kind of one of those rebellious sons who decides that he is going to be the king. That there's enough of dad being the king and He's going to run down to Hebron just southwest to south, yeah, southwest of Jerusalem. He's going to go down to Hebron and he's going to rally his troops and he's been deceiving and conniving about this for some time. And so he goes down to Hebron and he rallies his troops. He says, when the horn blows, then I'm going to announce myself as king and we will rule this nation. He didn't do it in Jerusalem. He went just south of Jerusalem and declared this. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He begins to lead this revolt because... News quickly travels northeast to to Jerusalem, and David hears the news, and he has to decide at that point whether he's going to challenge his own son to death or he's going to flee for his life. And evidently, we don't know sizes of troops and military might and all that kind of stuff, but we do realize this, that there was probably enough army and enough force and enough muscle with Absalom that he was going to lose and death was for sure for David. So David flees to the Kidron Valley. And David's darkest day, as I look through David's life and have read through it just in the past couple of months and studied David again and again, and I think that probably we are now looking at David's darkest, literally darkest day of his life. Would you please live in the moment for a moment? David on this day goes from waking up where he woke up one day as a shepherd and became a king in the same day or became, you know, recognized as a warrior and a victorious one in the same day. Um, This day he wakes up a king, but he goes to bed a fugitive. This day he wakes up and he's living in a palace. The day he goes to bed, he's now sleeping in a tent or maybe just under the stars somewhere in the Kidron Valley. His life has been completely rocked. And the problem is, is the problem was his son. Absalom. Absalom. His son, his his probably rightful heir. How in the world does a person make it through a day like this? When you find yourself losing it all, your family, your fortune, your, your influence on a nation, your security, your palace, he literally loses it all. How do you, how do you, how'd you make it through Monday this past week? Maybe I should ask you that. Black Monday or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that was where people lost a lot of money. But this guy, David, lost money, fame, influence. He lost it all. And now he's running for his life. Where he might lose his family he realizes the real value of a friend. Now, this will probably be the only message in all of your life that you will hear on this one friend. I even had to look up and try to learn how to pronounce his name because I literally had never heard or didn't register lock in his name prior to going into this message series. And his name is Ittai. Ittai steps into or is already in David's life where he loses his family he retains a friend. A couple of verses for you to just kind of lock in on. Proverbs chapter 17, 17 says, A friend 
is always loyal. A beautiful, beautiful verse. Another verse, Proverbs 18.24 says, A real friend sticks closer than a brother. David realizes on this day that he can't even keep his son close to him. He loses his son. And in losing his son, he realizes that he still has a friend in Ittai. Take your Bibles and let's look at Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 13 is where we'll look today. And I want to kind of tell you, as the, as the word comes to David and he learns about it, it's, it's, it's pretty sad. As he learns and sees all of this happening, it's, I think it's, it's worse than a B-rated Hollywood soap opera, what's going on in his life. Verse 13 says this, Then a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men, this is verse 13 of chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. This is his advisor comes and tells him this news. How horrible, how tragic. David said to all his servants who are with him in Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, for our, otherwise none of us will escape from Absalom. Go in haste, or he will overtake us quickly. Bring down calamity on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Then the king's servant said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king chooses. So the king went out and all the people with him, and they stopped at the last house. Now, as you think about what happens here, let's go on and read verse 18. Now all of his servants passed on on beside him, and and the Cheritites and the Pelotites and all the Gittites and 600 men who had come with him from Gath passed on before the king. What happens is David gets just on the edge of town to the last house, it says, and he stops. And he's watching his family. He's watching his servants. He's watching all these people follow him outside the city. And then comes behind him, those were who were his personal bodyguards. And and along with that are these three tribes. And one of those tribes I want to focus in on. Because Ittai was was one of these tribes. He was from the tribe that we call the Gittites. There were 600 men, many believe that these were his personal security guards. They were the king's security guards. That was very common in that day, not to hire security personal bodyguards within your own tribe because there might be tribalism, factions, and so forth. So you would go outside, hire somebody, train them. They would become your loyal bodyguards. Probably what's happening here in David's life. How is it that David and the Gittites link up? Who are the Gittites? But you've got to understand that because that actually elevates, the, I guess, the, the beauty of this relationship, the beauty of the diversity. Because the Gittites were from the city of Gath. Gath doesn't mean anything to you, but it's one of the five major cities in, at that time, Philistine area, what we call today Palestine. Isn't it interesting that the Philistine or Philista and the Philistines were in the very area that, that is known today as Palestine, and still to this day, Hebrews and the Jews and the Palestinians are still fighting. They were fighting as Philistines then, they're fighting as Palestinians now, and Ittai was from that tribe. He was from Gath. Well, you know who was from Gath? Goliath was from Gath. 
Goliath was from Gath, and Gath was, was the, the, the city where, where this, this monster of a man, ten foot tall, of which David himself conquered. He was the hero of the town. On the town square, I guarantee you, there was a bronze statue of Goliath. Because he was the hero, but he was killed by David. Why wouldn't the people of Gath, why wouldn't the Gittites hate David? There was something that happened in this diverse relationship that happens even before Saul becomes, David becomes king. And when he is actually runs and hides in Philistine territory from Saul who's trying to kill him. He becomes close friends with a king of Gath called Achish. And at that point, this relationship is formed. And whenever David comes out of the Philistine area, 600 troops follow him. 600 troops follow him. And one of the troops, one of the members, one of the foot soldiers that follows him is a man named Ittai. And from this point forward, we're going to see Ittai only a couple of times in Scripture. But what we have to understand if we're going to appreciate this story and appreciate this relationship is that if it weren't for the diversity, it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. But what David does to him is he says, you know what? You don't have to follow me anymore. You have been my contractual bodyguards. But now you're free. You're free to go and to serve the new king. And see, David already realized that his kingship had come to a close. He had already given in. Despite the different ethnicity, now listen to this, despite the different religious beliefs, because Philistines believe different than the Hebrews, despite the different political views, despite the different socioeconomic status, Despite him being a king and this other man being a foot soldier, Ittai being a foot soldier, despite the difference in the nations of origin, they have all of these differences. There is a relationship that is so beautifully grafted together that even a coup d'etat will not separate it. How is it that I can have a relationship with somebody that is so diverse and so different from mine that nothing in this world can separate us. There is such acceptance, there is such love that I'm going to cross barriers and differences and and diversity. I am going to cross it all and I am going to embrace somebody different than me. And when you are able to do that, you will have crossed many barriers that may just forge a relationship that will be unto death. Because that's exactly what he promised. Would you read this verse with me again? Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal. Say it with me. A friend is always loyal. And I want you to see in this passage of Scripture that Ittai crossed the line. David crossed the line. They accepted one another despite their differences. How do you do that? what, What are the two proofs that you in your life are willing to cross the line and to embrace the differences? Jot them down. Number one. You pick, a pers- you pick the person over the position. You pick the person over the position. The person is the core of who they are. The position is what they do. So much of what we associate with are people that we associate with in positions. We have classmates. We have colleagues. We have teammates. We have people with the same affinities and groups of that they like the same things that we like. They sit like the same teams that we like. And we gather together around these affinities. And you've got to have those and you've got to develop those. But what if you just chose the person because of who they were as an individual? 
If you look at this passage and go on reading with me, verse 19 is where it picks up again. He says, And then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, Why will you go with us? Return and remain with the king. Now that's important because you can see even in David's voice in addressing Ittai, he has already surrendered his kingship. He's left the palace, only he's left his ten concubines to manage the house. And he has surrendered himself that he is no longer king. But there's a new king in town. There's a new king in town. There's a new, there's a new order. There's a new control. There's, there's a new boss. Let's keep reading. Will you, not, will you also go with us? Question mark. Return and remain with the king. For you are a foreigner and also an exile. Again, much diversity held up in those, verse, in those words right there. You came only yesterday, and metaphorically speaking, maybe he was traveling and he comes home because Ittai has been with him for some time. And shall I today make you wander? Would you underscore, if you have your Bibles, the word wander with us? And while I go where I, <laughs> where I will, return and take back your brothers. Mercy and truth be with you. Now, I think this is absolutely beautiful. And again, I'll dare say you'll probably never hear another message on Ittai. But what happens here is David is at the last house on the way out of town, and he's counting his family members. He's counting his servants who are paid to be there, who are with him all the time. And he's counting and he's estimating who's with him. And then Ittai and these 600 troops come with him. He says, go back. You're free. You don't have to follow me. The contract is over. I'm not the king anymore. You don't have to follow me. You can go back and be the bodyguards of Absalom. He tells them. But Ittai doesn't do that. Ittai, I mean, what, what happens to David? David becomes a wonder. He, he cannot offer him security. He cannot offer him salary. He cannot offer him anything. He can offer him only to wander with him. That's, 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 the, that's, that's, the, that's the contract. That's the new deal. The new deal is that no longer is there a palace and, 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 and no longer is there food and no longer is there fame. But now what I can give you is nothing. Now what I can give you is a wandering lifestyle of which I don't even know where I'm going. Now why is it, why is it that, that Ittai and his troops would not turn around and march right back to the palace and wait for Absalom and say, Absalom, you're now our ruler. We stand with you. We will go and kill David. We're loyal to you. This is the contract. Because he looked at the person and he looked at the position and he would rather follow the person than the position. He sacrificed his career for David. Amy Carmichael, a missionary to India a number of years, she would speak and many people would want to become a missionary to India. And she says, listen, I don't have anything glamorous to offer you. She says, I have a plot of sand in which you can come and plant yourself and live and die. That's not much of a job offer. But if you're really serious about going with me, this is all I have to offer you. All David had to offer him was a wandering around. So much of our relationships, these networks, these teams that we are on, they're networks only that we might get ahead in our own career. They're teams only, only that we might climb on the back of somebody else to get to the next level. David went from being the king to being a wanderer. Ittai stayed with David. 
Do you have a relationship in your life where all you see is the person and not the titles and the positions that they can offer you? Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 said it like this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor free, uh, female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. See, what I think we've got to do is we've got to take off our color blinders and we've got to take off our, our standard of living sometime in our relationship. We've got to take off a lot of these baggages that, that I think keep us from relating to people who really need us because they're not like us. My dearest friends, and I can say this with all my heart, are three men in Africa named Kalinga, Gibson, and Friday. Now, you may never know them. Whew, I'm going to get emotional just talking about them. These guys live on a dollar a day. And if they needed anything from me, I'd go in a heartbeat. It may cost me thousands of dollars to get there. But these guys, and I know if there's any way they could, they'd be there for me. There, there's more differences than likes. And some of them can barely speak English. But I see in them something, and they see in me something that's irreplaceable. That's not a position. It's about a person. Ittai saw something in David that he didn't see in Absalom. And he says, I'm going with David. Will I lose my position? Will I lose my contract? Will I lose my pay? What will my family eat on? I don't know. You're wandering. You're the king of wandering. I'm the, I'm the guard of wanderers. That's what I'll be. Eric Harris was the son of a career military man. He was always moving from base to base and attending different new schools and a couple, every couple of years and never having the same secure relationship and stable friendships. But you know his name because he became one of the killers of 12 classmates in Littleton, Colorado. And Eric Harris, at, at the end of his life, confided in a video camera and said these words, he said, everywhere I went, I had to start again at the bottom. I guess on this faithful day, who do you know that is at the bottom in your world that needs somebody to cross barriers and lines, ranks and positions, and to love a person? Who do you need to be an Ittai to? Or maybe you're David and you need an Ittai. But whenever you're only looking at positions and what that relationship may give to you, you're shallow. You're very, very shallow. A friend is always loyal. We've read that verse. The second... The second... Uh, how do you say it? The second proof that, that you're willing to cross the line is not only that you look at the person more than the position, is that you will step up when others step out. You'll be the one who steps up when everybody else is stepping out on the person. It's, it's easy to follow Mo. Mo is momentum. And David did not have momentum. David didn't, but Absalom 
certainly did. In fact, a couple of verses just to kind of to look at is in, uh, well, uh, this is one of my favorite sayings about momentum. When momentum. With momentum, you seem better than you actually are. Without momentum, you seem worse than you actually are. You've got to realize that, that Absalom represented a new king, a new generation, a new opportunity. New, 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 new. David's old, 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 old. Let's get rid of David. Let's get, and, and so the momentum is just, just building. Look at verse 12 in, the, in, this, in this chapter. We didn't read it earlier. Chapter 15, verse 12. The last part of verse 12. It says, and the conspiracy. What's the conspiracy? That's the thing that Absalom had conjured up. And the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. Momentum was on Absalom's side. He was growing. He was stepping up in popularity. He was the one. But then, verse 13, and conspiracy grew stronger. The people supporting Absalom continued to increase. Excuse me, verse 13. And the messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. David's losing. You know, here we are in this political season. And if the polls were, were any indication for David, the polls are coming in, David, the polls are coming in, and you're losing. You know, they say that Bush is at the lowest all-time, you know, whatever approval rating for a president, and blah, 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 blah. You know, what has McCain done to that? He says, I'm going to distance myself. From him. You hear that in the media as well. And I thought about that this week. I thought, you know, the approval ratings of of Bush are down, and so McCain wants to distance himself from him. I'm thinking, okay, is that a picture of a loyal friend or a political friend? I'll let you answer that. The thing about Ittai, he was willing to go against the flow. Would you read this verse together with me again? Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend is always loyal. Say it with me. A friend is always loyal. Now look at verse 21, because this is Ittai's response. But Ittai answered to the king and said, As the Lord lives and as my lord the king lives, surely wherever my lord the king may be, whether for death or for life, there also your servant will be. Therefore David said to Ittai, Go and pass over. I love it. When everybody else is leaving and momentum is not on David's side and everybody's stepping out of his life, who is stepping up? Ittai. Ittai. If we're going to have real relationships, we're going to have to be those who step up in people's lives. Are we going to be the one who goes to bat when everybody's batting against them? A friend is always loyal. And the problem is, is I'm afraid that so few of us have really taken the time to invest in really valuable relationships, and we're really not ready to cross the line into diversity, into difference. So therefore, we just kind of stay in a bubble. And when that bubble pops, we're left to pick up the pieces. Alan Lloyd McGinnis says it like this in his little book called The Friendship Factor. He said that, his psychologist, therapist, he estimates that only 10% of all men ever have any real friends. That's sad that most men don't even connect. Why is men's excursion important? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but one is to connect. Why is men's fraternity that follows up right behind it important? Because men need to connect. Why is the dangerous women Bible study important? Because you, you need to connect. Listen, we got better things to do with our times to, than to offer you meaningless stuff. All right? 
We want to offer you stuff. It's going to be because it's going to help your life. We need to be people who look for those who are lonely. We need to be people who look into this world and say, you know what? I may not have to have all the friends like me, look like me, smell like me, everything like me. But I might need to be one who steps beyond me and looks for somebody who is the Eric Harris of my life, always starting at the bottom. I need to look out for people who are lonely and hurting and crying, even though they may not physically be doing it, but on the inside they are bawling their eyes out. Who is lonely in your life? Who needs acceptance in your life? I want you to watch this video. Now, our Friday Making a Difference report. Growing up can be tough, and too many young people are struggling with depression, addiction, even thoughts of suicide, and perhaps the biggest obstacle, the feeling of being in it all alone. NBC Savannah Guthrie has a story of one young man who found a way to break through that isolation by making a connection online. And I asked what she'd say if her story had an audience. The story starts with a story. Renee is 19. When I meet her, cocaine is fresh in her system. She hasn't slept in 36 hours. Two years ago, Renee Yohi was addicted to drugs and was cutting herself, the scars still visible beneath her colorful tattoos. With open wounds on her arms, no treatment facility would accept her. I was too great a risk. They didn't think that, um, they didn't even know if I would make it through the detox. So for five days until she could get treatment, Jamie Twarkowski and a group of friends kept Renee sober and safe. Take a broken girl, treat her like a famous princess. Tell her something true when all she's known are lies. Jamie wrote a two-page story about Renee and posted it on the social networking site MySpace. Remembering her scars, he called it to write love on her arms and printed the unusual slogan on T-shirts to raise money for her treatment. Then something unexpected happened. Thousands of young adults found the page and wrote about their own struggles with depression and isolation, and an online community was born. The site now has more than 200,000 members. We had kind of stumbled upon a conversation that felt really significant and maybe one that represented people everywhere. The group posts blogs, answers thousands of emails, and connects members to suicide, depression, and drug treatment centers. Experts say the site works because it meets young people where they are, online. The most important thing about to write love on our arms, being able to reach out to this particular community is there may be no other way to reach these young people. The group has also sought out young adults beyond the online world, telling Renee's story at rock concerts and finding it resonates. This idea that maybe we're more loved than we'll ever know. Uh, maybe we're part of a bigger story, that we're part of a redemption story and a love story. Even if it helped one person, then, then it was worth everything to me. One person's story of recovery that has helped many more. Savannah Guthrie, NBC News, Washington. You know, in the middle of the night, this last night, I woke up thinking about the message. And I thought about a, a, a verse that even Caleb and I were eating dinner last night and talking about. And the verse was when Jesus said, I did not come for the well." For the healthy, I came for the sick. Then uh, it reminded me of the time when Jesus was assaulted by those around him, and he said that 
they, they accused him of being a friend of sinners. And they were actually trying to assault him with those words and insult him with those words. But I thought there is probably no greater compliment they could have given Jesus on that day when they called him a friend of sinners. Because in reality, everybody in this room has had times in their life when they have needed somebody to step up when everybody else has stepped out. They needed somebody. They needed somebody to look beyond their title and their position and what they could bring to their life. And they needed somebody to look at them and say, I love you as a person. I will be your friend as a person because of who you are. Now maybe you'll never have a day like David had when he lost his family, his palace, his influence, his pay, his fame, his comfort. And I pray nobody has a day like that. But I I pray that if you have any day anywhere near that, that I hope that you will have invested your life in somebody enough to go the distance with you through that dark valley. And I hope that if you know of somebody who needs that kind of friend, you will be that friend to them. Would you pray with me? Father, a little man in Scripture mentioned just a handful of times becomes a very big man in my heart and my mind today. A man that I even hope I'm pronouncing his name right in his time. But more than I pronounce his name right, I hope I live like he does. I hope that I will step in when others are stepping out. I pray that, that I will be the friend to the person and not to the position. Because I know there's a lot of people. Oh God, there's a lot of people who need real, authentic relationships. Lord, we bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name.